When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this special Saturday bonus episode. Oh, my God. We were just talking about how tired we are, and that was, like, so much energy. That was amazing. Turn it on. That was more than I have. Turn it on when needed. (laughs) That was more than I have to give. Sorry, I cut you off. Hi, Jill. Hi. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Um, Yes, doing a bonus episode because we had so much uh, hashtag content. We had so much stuff that we had recorded. And I didn't know what we were going to do with this, but I did a live interview with Colin McCann, who wrote a book called A Paragon, which just came out and is getting a ton of buzz. He's a National Book Award winner, um, but he was in Cleveland last week, and we did a conversation, and it was like just a really awesome conversation about his book, which is about these two guys who have this conflict. There's a conflict in the, the Middle East, and it's a, it's like a fictional telling of a true story of these two men who are on opposite sides of the Israeli-Palestine conflict and the, both of their children, uh, they both have a child who dies tragically and they like, come together and they, they're telling their story. And um, it was a really, really great conversation. So I wanted to make sure we shared it with you guys. And we had a long conversation in here about American dirt and like the difference between cultural appropriation and cultural celebration. And it was really good stuff. So I wanted to share it with everybody. But we, we didn't have a Monday opening, so I was like, well, here's a Saturday show. Um, and also, we haven't talked since you came back from, well, I mean, we've talked. We sit next to each other. But we haven't talked since since you came back from PLA, so I figured Correct. I could kind of let you recap some of the stuff that you guys did there. Sure. So, yeah, so PLA was in Nashville, um, which, as you probably know, just days later I was hit by a, a tornado. Luckily, um, everyone I know in Nashville is okay. Yeah. Um, including some coworkers of ours. Like mm-hmm. we have coworkers who live in Nashville. Um, yeah. but yeah, so uh, I'd never been to Nashville before. It was delightful. Um, and the show was great. We had a lot of people. Hope everyone who came to our party had a good time because it was a. I feel like if you don't know librarians and have never been to a library party, mm-hmm. you don't understand how wild librarians can get this isn't jill just being like oh ha 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 it's we're joking no it's legit it is legit i had fomo librarians know how to get down and party Mm -hmm. um and so we had a really great band our uh co-worker diane did everything and it was magic um had some i had a five interviews i did Mm -hmm. um throughout the course of the week nope Three days. 
That yeah. <laughs> seems like so much longer in my brain. It's so much happens um, in so, such a short amount. Yeah, so I did. So those will be coming out. Uh, I know I kept being like vague about one of them because I I've had interviews canceled like the day of. Um, but. I, I interviewed, I had five interviews, they were all wonderful, but the one I was most excited about was um, Yaa Jesse, who wrote Homegoing, which if you have listened, you know is my number one book of the last decade. So she has a new one coming out, and I got to interview her. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> I tried not to fangirl. That was, I remember when you were, after, like when you told me about it, you were like, yeah, and then we got done, and I was like, um, can you, can hey, my book? can you send my book also? Because, yeah, that, I could imagine that being one of those where I also would have been like, um... Uh, hello, hi. I know she came over like she was brought over by two different Penguin Random House people. One is our friend Hugo, who wanted to sit in on the interview because he's never had a chance to do that. And then one was sort of the person I think who was actually sort of tasked with, it was like with a yeah. wrangler yeah. essentially. And so they came over, and I like couldn't even look at y'all because I was like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, of course, I did. But uh, yeah, mm. so that'll be coming. That'll be coming out much later. The book doesn't come out to the fall. Um, and then we had yeah four other ones that also went really well. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I was so excited that you got to do that. And then I do want to point out, you mentioned the party. Like this, don't want to undersell it. Like it, there's like a thousand people at this thing. I don't know how many actually showed up, but uh-huh. like I would say about at least half of that showed up. Yeah. Um, there was like standing, like there were people who didn't have tables to sit in. Yeah. Um, yeah, a thousand people had registered, had RSVP'd for the party. Um, it was the, if you're in Nashville, we had the downtown band, mm-hmm. which we have been told is like one of the biggest local bands yeah they were really really good um also the party was called the book scootin boogie it was the book scootin boogie <laughs> yeah um we had it was like barbecue so it was uh oh. it was uh pulled me it was like pork chicken and brisket maybe and then macaroni and cheese like two different kinds mm. there's a specialty cocktail with tennessee whiskey Oh, good job. Yeah, you mentioned Diane. Um, she's the, we never talk about her here in the podcast. She Diane does the event stuff. So anytime one of us is like, "Hey, we're, we did a bunch of interviews in Philadelphia or Nashville or wherever," um, Diane sets up all of the events for everyone at the company, and she's just the most. It is such a high stress job, and she is just the most easygoing. No- nothing bothers her. Right. You'll come up to her with like a last minute thing, and she's like, "Yeah, no problem. We'll take care of it." And then like seconds later, you have an email with it set up. She's like, "Yeah." She's like the events queen. She is. Um, if people want to get a hold of us, how can they do that? They can go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter at probooknerds. You can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Yes, you can. So, yeah, this is a bonus episode. Wanted to share. It's a live event, but the, the audio is really good. Um, so I'll, I'll probably cut off the end where we did some Q&A because it was a, a different – the room was set up differently, so they didn't have microphones for everybody. Um, but, yeah, it was really, really fun. I think you guys really enjoyed this. The book is fantastic. So uh, I'm not going to wait any longer. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Colin McCann on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. <laughs> We're going to get into a paragon here because I, when we first met backstage, I congratulated you just on the sheer idea of its existence is just such a concept and such a incredible accomplishment. Um, 
when you guys get a chance to read this book, I have got to sit down with hundreds of people at this point, and I can usually picture how a story came to be from a structure standpoint. I have no idea how you did this. So first off, can you talk a little bit more about the structure of this and how you decided to write this novel the way that you did? Um, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, okay, how, how do I, how do I be, be begin uh, with this? You know, one, you, you, you write towards your obsessions. At a certain stage in my life, uh, at about six, seven, eight years ago, I began to get really uh, interested in what was going on in the Middle East, primarily because I'd been interested in what had happened uh, in the Irish peace process mm -hmm. um, as well, and, and um, including people who had been involved in the Irish peace process went across to the Middle East and, 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 and found it even more confusing than what had been happening for 800 years uh, in Ireland. And I thought, um, well, I, I would like to go and, 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 and travel there and, 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 and find out about it. And I went with my, um, uh, the non-profit group that I uh, co-founded with Lisa Consiglio, who's actually here this evening. Um, and um, uh, we went with a group of artists and activists um, brought by this incredible Palestinian-American uh, by the name of Greg Telos, or Greg, Greg Khalil, who, who um, has a, a, a group called Telos that brings people across to uh, the Holy Land to sort of nuance uh, where nuance the ideas behind it and, mm -hmm. and like disrupt people and and show them show them uh, all the different uh, sides that were going on. I went there. Uh, my heart was blown completely open by the people, mm -hmm. by the landscape, uh, by the stuff that was going on, by my memories of of of, of Ireland, uh, of um, things that had been going on in Europe. Traveled around for a number of days. Seeing, oh, we met uh, Israeli writers, we met Palestinian rap stars, we went to the homes of, uh, homes of people, we were, had this incredible generosity laid out in front of us. Um, and then on the second last day, uh, went to a town called um, uh, Beit Jala, which is just outside um, Jerusalem and, and right close to Bethlehem, um, and into this little office on this cold sort of November uh, afternoon and um, up this little rickety stairs and in there sat these two men and I didn't know who they were because Greg had sort of kept it from us for a little while uh, and um, then they started to speak and at that stage I don't know if you know the, the Heaney poem where, he, where mm. he stops the car in the west of Ireland and he opens the door and they the wind blows his heart open, and he mm -hmm. sees all it, like, like all this stuff. I felt like I'd be, I was in uh, I was in that particular poem, mm -hmm. um, and these men talked, and I cried, and uh, I, I, I I came out of there and was completely shifted, but did not know how or how how I would would want to write about that experience or another experience, and went back, and frankly, uh, was confused. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, I'm still confused by the situation over there. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you that, 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 that most of the, the, the people I meet who even live over there are confused by it too. They're maybe even more confused than we are. Um, 
And I, I started to look at a structure that might, uh, you know, sort of uh, reflect in a certain way some of that confusion, that deep confusion, but mm -hmm. also then get at the at the uh, the elemental human core of what's going on. So um, uh, I knew it was going to happen in fragments. Mm -hmm. I just thought it might be a hundred fragments, right? And then it was three hundred fragments, and then it was like three hundred and sixty-five fragments, and then it was five hundred. And then suddenly, I, one day, I woke up and said, oh, Jesus, now it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to be 1,001. Mm -hmm. And it was very hard, because I felt like I was a, um, a conductor trying yeah. to hold all this, the, 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 this whole thing up and get the poetry of it or the music of it um, together. And the music is probably the most important thing to try and, you know, to create a symphony. And basically, and I'll stop then, basically, <laughs> this is a story about two men who lose their daughters, uh, one in 1997, the other one in 2007, uh, and they come together to tell the stories of their daughters in order to, um, what they see is put a crack in the wall, um, and uh, to talk about the possibility uh, of uh, understanding, belonging, and knowing one another. You talked about the almost unnerving and sort of jarring experience of going over to the Middle East that first time and, right. and how everything was just very chaotic and, and everything going on. And, and I will say, reading this book almost feels like that same jarring hmm. experience. I, I read this, and you, when you read a lot of books, you, can, you sit down and you, know, you get that first like 30 to 40 pages, you get into a rhythm. And then I feel like the, re the last... 300 pages almost go just as fast once you kind of figure out the rhythm of the book. There is no rhythm to this book. I found myself rereading passages, and you mentioned these 1,001 fragments, but some of them are four pages long, some of them are one sentence. Yeah. And Two of them are blank. Two of them are blank, yes. And it's this jarring, and like my, my wife said several times, I, I guess I had this quizzical look on my face. She's like, what? Are you? I was like, I just need, I've read this sentence four times over because I wanted, like you said, it's it's lyrical and it, but it is, it's, it's jarring. And I'm curious, how did you go about, what was the writing process like? Was it, did you think of the story linearly while you were writing it? Because it's not linear when you're reading it. And yeah. there's a lot of pieces that aren't just that very simple yet tragic story. There's so much more to it. Well, Phil, Phil would know some of this because uh, I talked to him about it a couple of years ago and then he saw it uh, as well. Um, believe it or not, like the pages that I started writing, this is a five-year project, <laughs> but the pages I started writing about four years ago are, are, are very close mm -hmm. to, 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 to what they are now. And that novel was, was, was written uh, in a sequence until it finished. Mm -hmm. And while it looks like I wrote a whole load of sections and then just jumbled them up and threw them around, there's an absolute intention there. So, 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 um, music is really important. Mm -hmm. It's like trying to get one note to follow the next note, and knowing how long the next note should be, and and you can't do an extended series of jarring notes uh, that come in. I, I, can I tell? Can I tell you a story? Yeah, we're here okay. for you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, I'm good friends with a um, a fiddle player by the name of Colin Mokanumra. Uh, who's an amazing Irish uh, musician. He used to play with a band called The Frames, played mm -hmm. with Glenn mm -hmm. Hansard, and, and he's, he's brilliant. Anyway, we, last November, after I'd finished the book, we were going again with Narrative 4. We went go, go, going on a trip, 
and we were in um, we're in Jerusalem. We were on our way to a refugee camp in uh, in Bethlehem, um, and uh, Colm and I and a few others were due to meet the director of a program for arts for young people mm -hmm. in, uh, in 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 the refugee yeah. camp. This guy who believes that theatre, music, all this other stuff can rescue young people and get them out of jail and mm -hmm. keep them out of jail and stop them from throwing stones or grenades or whatever it happens to be, um, Abdul Fattah. Um, anyway, um, we decide, uh, we're going in a taxi, the taxi's going the long way around um, uh, and, and um, Colm's got his fiddle with him, but I want Colm to experience the, the, the idea of walking through a checkpoint. Mm -hmm. And so I said, come on, we'll walk, we'll walk through checkpoint, checkpoint 300, uh, and we'll meet the taxi on the, on the far side because the taxi can't get through the checkpoint. Um, and then I say to Colm, I look at the, he's carrying the fiddle case. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's, let's leave. The, we're walking through a checkpoint. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to think we're f coming from, I don't know, uh, one of these American movies where you take, you know, the <laughs> submachine gun out of the, uh, out of the fiddle case. Um, so he leaves the fiddle in, 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 in the taxi. It's a 17th century Irish fiddle. And um, uh, we get to the other side, and then uh, we walk around, and we, we meet the, 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 the guys in the refugee camp. And suddenly we get invited into this office, and ah, oh, the door closes. And uh, I say to the, the, the director of the refugee camp, I'm so sorry. You know, we're here with one of the greatest fiddle players in the world, uh, Colum Makanumra, and we don't have a fiddle. And he says, oh, that's terrible, I love music. And guess what? We have a broken old fiddle over there that was sent to us from um, a woman in England just a few months ago. And you kind of know the end of the story already, right? Because mm -hmm. you, you can feel it. Colm looks, gets up. He's an angel. He gets up, goes to the fiddle. It's busted. Like there's strings <laughs> like, uh, like sticking up here. Mm -hmm. The neck is on backward. The bridge is like hanging off. And um, slowly, as the man talks about rebuilding these broken lives for young people, Colm fixes the fiddle, and just as he finishes, I swear to you, uh, Colm takes the fiddle, takes the, the, takes the bow, uh, and the bow had been rosined, but had been rosined a long time ago, starts to play an Irish song called Roisin Dove, mm -hmm. which is an old love song, and this dust flew off the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the fiddle. And then the man asked me to play a song called And Only Our Rivers Run Free. Mm -hmm. And it was the most extraordinary moment uh, because Colm had uh, fixed this broken fiddle mm -hmm. in this place where this man was trying to help fix these broken lives. And guess what? One last thing. The stories go on and on and on. <laughs> um, I promise you this is the truth. We went to the fiddle case put it, to put the fiddle back, and there was an unopened envelope in there, and it said, to the next owner of this violin. <laughs> and I said, Colm, open it. And he said, no, 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 no. That's not me. It's, it's the, the next. And we still don't know what was in the thing. But coming out of the, 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 the refugee camp, I said, how did you coax such beautiful music out of that fiddle? He said, that was a 19th century Engl English fiddle, probably from, from southwest uh, mm -hmm. England. You can tell by the butterfly patterns that were carved <laughs> in the side. And I just thought, ah, like it, 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 it's kind of yeah. amazing. And so uh, I, I suppose the point of the story, if there is any point to any story, is that, that, that the, 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 the novelist tries to find the broken things and, and mm -hmm. then she or he uh, like finds the music that fits that, yeah. that
that, that, that particular moment. It's killing me not to ask you Glenn Hansard questions, or questions right now. I, okay. The frames is, a, I had, when you said that, I tried you not to like a, my they, jaw they drop. Reunion? They have a reunion? They, this is just for the two of us at this yeah. moment, it seems like, in, so I apologize everyone in else. Dublin, in Dublin, June, this June 20th, the frames mm -hmm. are getting back together again. <laughs> and actually, they might be making, oh, well, no, I won't say anything. No, no, okay, no, there. No. We'll, get, we'll go back to the actual book, so, so yeah, that was yeah. just apparently a you and I thing. Um, I've, seen, I've seen you say that you were terrified to tell these two men's story. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of expand on that just a little bit? Well, I mean, I'm Irish. I live in New York. I'm a, you know, uh, a white male, and I, you know, I understand everything that 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 that's going on. And these are incredibly important questions mm -hmm. uh, for the time. And, and look, you know, what right do you have to go into, you know, um, uh, you know, into Israel, into Palestine? What right, you know? Although nobody asked Leon Euros that when he wrote Trinity, uh, you know, 50 years ago. Um, uh, but um, these questions that are going on right now, mm -hmm. they're incredibly, incredibly important, and I salute the people in the universities who are, who are asking them, who are pushing us, because there is such a like, thing as like, really, um, uh, there, 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 there's cultural appropriation, condescension, pretension, mm -hmm. uh, stereotypes, people pushed into corners, things taken from, 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 from cultures, and, and, and the fact that people even people like me might be called out on it is mm. fantastic. God bless. However, yeah. at the same time, there's also this notion of cultural celebration where you go in and you broaden your own culture by expanding yourself into the unknown mm -hmm. and by asking questions about like, how you yourself can become bigger uh, by looking at uh, you know, what is uh, there mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so these two tensions, these two, 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 two things, you hold in the palm of your hand at the exact same time, mm -hmm. these contradictory things. Well, and I think there, you mentioned the difference between appropriation and celebration. You know, there's, we were talking about a little bit backstage, and I know you did, you've done interviews about this, but the, the novel American Dirt that came out recently, uh, people I'm sure have seen it, it's, it was an Oprah book club pick, and there was a lot of people got very frustrated because she appropriated a story of immigrants and the immigrant story. And that's a story that thousands and thousands of people could tell. There are authors who are capable of telling that who have experienced it. Whereas the story you tell in a paragon, it's not unique in a situation that there's unfortunately a lot of tragedy and death and horrible things that have happened to families. But this particular story of these two men and the experiences they've had together, you know, yes, they're going around the world and they're giving speeches, but it would have gone untold from a novel standpoint if it wasn't for someone to come. And when you read them, I haven't seen a single person give you gruff, at least that I haven't, about the way you oh, respond. Well, I'm sure you have, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stay off of Goodreads, I imagine. Um, but what were there parts that, because it, it's a novelization of their true story, right. and you add, you take some, you know, obviously some creative aspects. Were there parts in there that you were wanted to show them ahead of time, or were there things that you were nervous about adding and, and leaving out, things of that nature. Okay, this is really important. And I haven't read American Dirt, and, and, and that's one thing I want to say about, uh, uh, about that. And you know, this is a really um, important question that the novelist has to ask for herself or, 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 or himself. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I got to meet Rami and Bassam are real life characters. This is a novel. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, Rami and Bassam are going to meet them in various parts of the States. 
uh, you know, over the next over the next couple of weeks. They're traveling with me. They're talking with me. Um, they have vouched for the book, uh, and I have read them sections of the book, and I've shown them uh, the book uh, as I've gone along from the very start. I've been talking with them. Got to tell you the truth that um, just a few nights ago, uh, when we really sat down together, mm-hmm. they told me both individually that they hadn't been able to read the book. Mm-hmm. They read the book in bits and pieces, but they hadn't actually, and, 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 and then they gave me the greatest compliment because they said, we've read everything about ourselves because we work for the parents circle. Uh, we want to get our story out and about. We've been able to read every other story, but this one, it, it felt like they were actually inside it again, mm-hmm. and they didn't want to experience it ag- uh, ag- again. Um, and to me, that was um, that was a that, that 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 was a very profound moment. Um, they were uh, Rami was upset because uh, I didn't put him on the right, right motorbike. <laughs> <laughs> Rami dri- drives a, a 750cc uh, Yamaha, um, and I put him on a 750cc bike. Uh, but uh, uh, he actually drives an automatic, mm-hmm. and I gave him gears. Just because it's like it's just fun to think of him clicking, mm-hmm. and I used to ride a motorbike myself. It's more poetic. Uh, and um, but in 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 general, the 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 the, um, the the novel attempts to be absolutely true to uh, the human experience mm-hmm. um, as it uh, as, uh, as it is there, um, and they are deeply appreciative. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, they, they they've been really kind to me. The fact that they gave me a chance to tell this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and trusted me with it, I think was kind of, well, super courageous and extraordinary. Yeah. Which I was just going to say, trust is the word I was thinking of, like to, to have the confidence in someone who, you know, they probably hadn't, like, how well can you know someone that you've sat down with a few hours, you know, right. and to understand that the way that you were going to approach this story. And there are, you know, we, in the intro you heard about flight patterns of birds, and you're talking right. about the motorcycle, and there's a part with an eyeball that's a little... Yeah, a little hairy. Um, But what was your research process like? In addition to doing the research with these two men and learning their story and treating their personal story with respect, there are these parts that wind up to something very important. How do you go about researching? Because there's so much in each of those sections. So basically, the novel is very simple. It's about like two men, uh, and they one wakes up in the morning, drives from Jerusalem to Beit Jala, goes to a monastery, tells a story, and the other one like tells a story in the monastery in Beit Jala and drives home to Jericho uh, late that night. That's all that happens in in the book, and then everything in in between yeah. happens. It becomes sort of like a compendium of of of, of, of uh, experience with all sorts of like. Philippe Petit is even even mm-hmm. in the book and uh, and uh, little, little little bits and pieces. Um, the research was well. First of all, I went over uh, several times um, and spent a lot of time with mm-hmm. Rami and Bassan. Uh, I slept in their houses. I met their kids. Uh, you know, I traveled with them on the motorbike in the cars. Uh, I watered the garden with them. You know. Uh, uh, went to orchards, went walking with them, and tried to get get to know them. Um, that was a lot of it, and a lot of it also too was hanging out in 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 Beit Jala or in Jericho or in Ramallah or in uh, Tel Aviv or wherever it happened, and listening to people and listen. And then a lot of it was reading books, 
and a, a lot of it was being a bit like a magpie and trying to figure out where all the stuff would come in. But a musician magpie, like mm -hmm. I said earlier, like the musician comes in and like uh, tries to make a, 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 sim a symphony of all the sounds uh, that, that, that he or she is hearing. But, but basically, you know, these are uh, extraordinary, um, extraordinary human beings. They're part of a, a group called the, the Parent Circle, which is 650 families who have all lost a, a, a child. They're Palestinian and they're Israeli. And I don't know if everybody knows, I'm sure a good few of you know about this, but, but it's pretty extraordinary for a Palestinian and an Israeli to get together and travel together and call each other brother and, 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 and do, these other, do these things that these two men uh, do. This is not about equivalence or any, anything like that. It's about deep friendship and they're bound, by, uh, they're bound by loss. And they think the fact that they can tell their story is um, uh, you know, so important. And, 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 and I've I got to say that, that it's not really only about Israel and Palestine. Mm -hmm. It's also about like Belfast and Dublin and, and, uh, or even the, 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 say the South Bronx and um, Kentucky. And the reason I say South Bronx and, and Kentucky is because right now, uh, in, through Narrative 4, the nonprofit, the mm -hmm. Story Exchange, we brought kids from the South Bronx, the second poorest congressional district in the country, um, together with kids from Floyd County, a very uh, like, like, like underprivileged county in, 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 in Kentucky. Mostly African-American and or immigrant kids, mostly white and or Cherokee kids, uh, mostly blue, mostly red, mostly urban, mostly rural. Um, kids that, that, that seemed so far removed mm -hmm. from, from, from one another. Like, Terrified, honestly, of one another, and and and, and then we uh, through narrative four we bring them t together to exchange stories. You yeah. step into my shoes, I step into yours. I become Adam, you become Colin. Mm -hmm. um, and in doing that, these kids found out it's like something very simple and not kumbaya and some not 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 silly and you know like airy fairy, but something truly muscular in, in that we need to know each other. Mm -hmm. um, and this is also what Rami and Bassam are saying, uh, you, know, uh, you know, and Bassam says it really eloquently. He says, we need to know each other above ground right now, because if we don't know each other above ground, we will find each other uh, knowing each other below ground, six feet below ground. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, you know, they have that element of, of, of hope, but I mean, it's also, you know, everybody knows it's tough times mm -hmm. over there. And the despair that they, uh, like even just today, there was, uh, uh, they sent me a Facebook uh, post about how people were protesting about uh, members from their group mm -hmm. going and going into a school. Riots outside the school, just because these parents wanted to talk about things. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's pretty extraordinary mm -hmm. that, 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 uh, that the, the, that would in inspire sort of violence. Well, I'm, I'm, I love, the entire premise behind Narrative 4 because I was talking about this a little bit earlier, I feel like when there's a conversation going on, people so often are just waiting for their turn to talk. Right. And you're not really listening, you're not really hearing the other person, and that's when it's someone that you enjoy talking with. Right. Whereas with Narrative 4, you're not only are you doing the story exchange, but then you flip places and you tell their story. Right. And it's just, it's such a, unique way of really getting to understand. I'm where did the original idea for this come from? My co-founder, mm -hmm. uh, Lisa Consiglio, um, started this. 
uh, in the Roaring Fork Valley in, 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 in Colorado mm -hmm. uh, over a decade ago, uh, realized that there was an epidemic of loneliness and kids uh, that needed to sort of know one another um, began building all these programs. They eventually did a program uh, between Haiti and, 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 and New Orleans, realized the value of stories and storytelling. Uh, she also realized the, the value of artists, and she brought a whole load of us together, mm -hmm. uh, including people like um, Asaf Gavron, Ishmael Bea, Terry Tempest Williams, uh, all sorts of people together uh, for a story exchange in Colorado. And, she, mm -hmm. and, 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 and we were all sort of pretty jaded authors, and we thought, oh, you know, stories. And then when we did this exchange, mm -hmm. where, you know, if you become me and I become you, we were sort of like, we, we, we were completely taken uh, by the notion. Then we started thinking uh, how uh, could we form an organization, yeah. which has now become an organization where in Kentucky alone this year, there will be 50,000 exchanges between, between yeah. students. We're in 12 countries, we're in South Africa, we're in Ireland, we're in Mexico, all over the United States. Um, and, uh, but it's fronted by, 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 by artists, but the, but the real heroes of this I mean, the absolute heroes of this uh, um, are, are, are the teachers. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, like, have, uh, do we have a few teachers here tonight? Let's we do. Let's I see a few see, hands. I yeah. can't see. I see some hands. Mm -hmm. I see some hands. Um, I be, I, I, I'm, I'm on a kick to get the, um, like some of the airlines that if you show your, uh, your teacher union card, mm -hmm. you can get on for, you know, first before anyone yeah. else. You know, like, uh, <laughs> we need to, are we, you know, like a real true teacher appreciation sort of mm -hmm. um, uh, movement. And, and actually, I think it might even come from the students at mm -hmm. some stage. Well, I, my mom taught third and fourth grade for 40 years, so I, right. I can appreciate it. She, the patience of an angel. I don't understand that right. little kids. But they don't get paid this. enough. No, right? not and at all. They don't all. get recognized enough. And they're the ones who are really doing the edgy stuff. You know, they're the ones who are saying, and certainly within Narrative 4, they're the ones who bring uh, you know, all, 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 the, all the kids together. But you know, I can remember the names of my my, 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 my third year, fourth year mm -hmm. uh, teachers, and uh, very well. I can remember exactly, uh, you know, what car they drove, all these sort of things, because they were so incredibly uh, important. And mm -hmm. um, I think I don't want to get on a soapbox because I'm not the novelist. Should never get on a soapbox, <laughs> even no matter what she uh -huh. or she's writing. Uh, but um, if we can somehow reinvigorate the, 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 the position of the, uh, of the teacher. Uh, mm -hmm. We as artists reinvigorate the p position of the teacher. Uh, something might happen, and, and not, not false empty words, but mm -hmm. like pay them like literally twice as much. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I mean, again, I am coming at this from a, being the son of a teacher who taught for 40 years, but I was A, very fortunate. She, her focus was English, so I mean, it makes sense that I work at a book company now and do this kind of a thing. I guess I was always sort of going to do this. Um, but not only did she put books in my hands that challenge, because really the, the basis for who you're going to become as a reader, but also as a person, can come from the literature that you read when you're younger. Right. Um, I came from, and these people out here will probably recognize it, you might not, Lorraine, Ohio, which is on the west side of Cleveland. It's where Toni Morrison was born. Oh, and so I was put Toni Morrison books in my hand, probably earlier than I should have, to be honest, with the well, content. Old, uh, I, think I, the, I think I read Song of Solomon when I was like in fifth grade for the first time. Fifth grade is what, little. 11 years old? Uh, yeah. Little. That's cool. Yeah, and so, but because of that, I, I had this passion for, I was like, oh, I want to read these books by people that, again, probably 
a little bit out of my range, but it helped me shape the person I became. And you're absolutely right. Teachers have the ability to not only put content in front of you that will help shape you, but doing projects like Narrative 4 and having the ability to say, okay, sit down with this person. They're completely different from you, right. but they're not that different from you. Right. And I think that's essential. And I, and I, I told you, back, you know, kind of backstage, reading this book sort of felt like a story exchange from like one half. I felt like I was yeah. put in Rami and Masam's place and like had a better understanding of, of where they, they came from. So are there other stories that you've heard from Narrative 4 that you want? I hate to ask you about another book since you just finished writing this one. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is that normally at this stage, I would have a book uh, and I kind of know where it was that I wanted to go and like I'd be going out on the road. But this one knocked the holy living stuffing out of me, and, 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 uh, and I'm still trying to figure out what it was. And I met some students uh, earlier, and, and it's always young people who can pinpoint things. Uh, like, and, and, and this young lady said, you're probably just dealing with trying to figure out uh, how you actually got to this point. You're probably just like, you know, dealing with the, 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 the uh, you know, you haven't healed yet. yet. Mm -hmm. and, and she was absolutely right. I have no idea. I literally no idea what, how it is, I, and I'm going to be talking about this. I hope, uh, touch wood, for uh, for the next few months or so, mm -hmm. um, and then I'll have to take a break and try and find something, but maybe something completely different. Because mm -hmm. this is a big, like ambitious, crazy novel, and now I think I might just write, you know, a little love story or something. <laughs> I was like that, just going to say something light and like make you feel yeah, a little bit better because yeah, romantic comedy. Yeah, like I mean, that. I had to imagine writing this was an emotional ride for you, and yeah. just in general, not only the research and, ch and speaking with them, but just the writing process, putting that all down. Yeah, but it's also fun. I mean, I, I get to do things like go to that, 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 the refugee camp and mm -hmm. walk around parts of um, uh, uh, Palestine, walked with, with one of my heroes, Raja Shahade, and, and, and uh, met David Grossman, and like hung out with uh, Tamar Nafir, and uh, you know, went, like, like um, Got, got to plunge myself into this whole world, mm -hmm. which is a completely new world for me. It's, it was almost like going to university, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for about four or five years. And I, I kind of think that the novelist has to be a bit of a, um, uh, like a, an adventurer mm -hmm. in that way. Uh, well, not necessarily. I mean, there, I'm not saying that there should be only one type of novelist. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm kind of, I, I like the idea of being a social novelist and, try and, and trying to engage with, 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 with certain questions that are going on. But you don't have to be. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I much love the novel where you, you sit in and you contemplate a single blade of grass and, you know, <laughs> and, and, uh, or you know, write about a single cup of tea or mm -hmm. a pint of, pint of Guinness. An extreme, an extreme micro history, yeah. just like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, But um, you know, I, 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 I don't think there's a, uh, I, I, it's my job to call on the novelist to do, mm -hmm. to, to do anything. But for this particular novelist, I do think that, um, it's good for us to get out and about and get into the school, but also to disrupt people. Mm -hmm. I, my biggest takeaway, if I can project into your mind from reading the book and having this conversation, is you seem to have a curiosity about the world and want to figure out something, these two men's story and how it came to be, but then also the curiosity to see all the little moving parts around it. And I think that's important. You have to keep asking questions. Right. I don't know when you decided to stop asking those questions and start writing them down, but I think that's such an important part of this. And um, in relation to asking questions, speaking with Rami Abbasam, how did your relationship with those two change throughout the process? Well, 
I really liked them at first, but but you know, uh, and that was the, f the you know uh, when I walked out of that 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 uh, uh, little office mm -hmm. in Beit Jala, I didn't know that I'd see them again. Yeah. Um, I just know that 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 they had completely knocked me off mm -hmm. off a of balance. Uh, when I went back to see them um, I, again, uh, I got to know them in, in 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 sort of new and different ways, and you know their little ticks and the way they walk and, 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 and all those sort of things. Mm -hmm. And I keep getting to, to see new things, like uh, Bassam just sent me a photo of himself coming through uh, LaGuardia Airport and he got strip searched um, uh, just uh, the day before yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, and like seeing him uh, vulnerable and, they, and then he, he was talking about the man like patting down his leg because uh, Bassam had, uh, has, had polio uh, as a child and mm -hmm. one leg is shorter than the other. And the guy said to him, well, what, ha what happened to your legs? And Bassam apparently said, he said, well, God did it to me. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, these little bits of humor. And uh, I got to say, you know, the, the, the hopefully some of it comes out the, in mm -hmm. the novel. But these are, they, they're, they're kind of funny men and they rib each other as they travel. Mm -hmm. And they, they have certain little phrases that they use with one another. Uh, but watching them together is kind of extraordinary. And then got a chance to meet their, 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 their wives and see their wives and their children together um, mm -hmm. as well. And that's a, that's a different dynamic. Because yeah. um, these men, they travel together all over the world mm -hmm. to tell the story day after day. Sometimes, Bassam was telling me, sometimes they tell it seven times a day. <laughs> In the book, I say three, four, five times. But, but, but sometimes seven times, the same story. My name is Bassam Aramid, you know. I come from uh, Al-Khalil, uh, or Hebron. You call it Hebron, I call it Al-Khalil. You know, I am the father of Abir. Uh, and he goes on to yeah. say how she was shot in the head, the back of the head with a rubber bullet when she was 10 years old. And, and then Rami gets up and he says, my name is Rami Elhanan. I am a seventh ge generation Jerusalemite. Uh, I am the father of Smadar. And then he begins to tell about how she's walking through the marketplace in Jerusalem and she gets killed by um, a suicide bomber. Mm -hmm. And to say this over and over again, it's, it, it's incredible. It's not like being an actor. Yeah. It's really not like being an actor because an actor can do it and get away and get, get away from it. I, see the, and the, the weird thing about that day in Beit Jala was this. I didn't know that they weren't saying it for the first time in their lives because it felt to me like they were saying it for the first mm -hmm. time in their lives. Uh, I found out later that they'd probably said that story about three times or maybe two times uh, that particular day. Mm -hmm. uh, but to me, if I, when I heard it, it felt like the first time that I ever mm -hmm. heard it. And I think this is the beauty of, say, poetry, or this is the beauty of like, you know, uh, you know, proper literature, that something gets said and it feels like it's the first time that mm -hmm. it's ever been, been said in the world, but we know it yeah. as well somehow too. So um, the more I got to, 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 to know them, the more awe I sort of uh, became, uh, m more in awe I became um, of, of them and the fact that the, they could do this sort of thing. And then they'd have their own little tics as well. They, 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 they say certain things like uh, Rami says the word uh, n n naked, mm -hmm. but he says naked, uh, <laughs> you know. And he talks about uh, Bradford and he goes Bradford, uh, you know. And, uh, uh, and, you know, funny things that they, 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 they switch back and forth uh, mm -hmm. uh, with one another. Um, it was an incredible privilege to get to, get, get to know these guys. But mm -hmm. listen, these guys are not too different from you and me. Yeah. That's the thing. These guys are really not so different from the fellow who lives down the street and the fellow who lives down the other street who, who don't really trust each other. Mm -hmm. um, 
and have been sort of conditioned to be fearful yeah. uh, of one another because one is say maybe uh, a democrat and one is maybe say a republican or whatever else yeah. it happens to be um uh, we are not too far from rami and we're not too far from basam you know here in cleveland wherever in dublin wherever it happens to be mm -hmm. uh we're we're, 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 we're and, and and i think once we recognize that then we can become slightly better and more uh, I don't know, more engaged mm -hmm. in, the, in, 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 the, in, in the world and maybe do certain things and get out and teach and join uh, organizations mm -hmm. to, to, to disrupt the balance. Yeah. Well, I could ask you questions all night, but if we get the lights up just a little bit, I want to see if you guys have any questions. I'll let you just kind of raise your hand. Maybe get some lights up. Maybe these ones down a little Hello. bit so I can actually all see. Right. <laughs> Thanks so much. Uh, nice. Right there, ma'am? Yes. Um, uh, I lost a lot of hair. Um, I, um, I think I learned an awful lot uh, about the, and I don't want to sound corny or anything like, but, 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 but the, 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 the emotional depths of pain. Uh, and, and, and I know that these guys paid the ultimate price. Um, they still pay prices nowadays. They get called yeah. things, like Rami gets get, 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 gets called, you know, a um, a self-hating uh, Jew, and uh, you know, and and Bassam gets called gets accused of collaborating and all yeah. these sort of things. And they have their their answers to all of this, um, and their pain is ongoing. But 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 the way they dealt with that 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 incredible pain and then turned it into something uh, something positive. Uh, it's something I'd like to learn how to do uh, with, 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 with my own life, with, with, with whatever sort of comes along, uh, and, and uh, perhaps uh, turn it around. Um, also, I mean, I got to read a lot of great books. I got to read a lot, a lot, a lot of great poetry. I met people and, 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 and expanded my, my horizons. And, um, and I love poetry, in fact. And that's how I actually, one of the things when I came here, uh, a couple of years ago, and got to meet Phil, and uh, read his poetry, and leads me to other poems. And 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 um, you know, you just read more, and you you sort of you sort of uh, then also then obviously it's kind of a cliche. You also realize how stupid you are. Mm -hmm. right? So 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 the cleverer you get, uh, the, the the more you realize yeah. how completely limited uh, yeah. you, you you happen to be, mm -hmm. which is a privilege in a way. Oh, yeah. I'm wrestled with this probably more than I should have since I got my hands on you as a reader copy. The two Goldbergs on the cover, Rami and Bassam, the daughters. It's a really good question. So there's two Goldbergs on, 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 the, on the cover of the book. Can you tell me? Can I read a section of the book? Well, first of all, I, I gotta say this, thank you. Uh, and uh, writers are never as clever as what you think they are. <laughs> they steal things from readers and they learn as they go, uh, also as they, uh, as they go along. And a lot of the time you don't know what it is that you're doing. 
and guess what? You just feel it. Okay, well, it feels right. Let's go, you know, get two, two gold birds. But I'm going to tell you, um, uh, is that okay? Yeah. It'll take like three minutes? Sure. Uh, and the answer is here. So this is the whole of the book, actually. Uh, it's in the center of the book. It's section 1001. Um, and it's the fifth line from the bottom. And that's what the, uh, this is what I think the two gold birds are, right? So once upon a time and not so long ago and not so far away, Rami Elhanan, an Israeli, a Jew, a graphic artist, husband of Nareed, father of Elik and Guy and Yigal, father too of the late Smadar, traveled on his motorbike from the suburbs of Jerusalem to the Kremazan Monastery in the mainly Christian town of Beit Jala near Bethlehem in the Judean hills to meet with Bassam Aramin, a Palestinian, a Muslim, a former prisoner, an activist, born near Hebron, husband of Salwa, father of Arab and Arin and Muhammad and Ahmed and Iba, father too of the late Abir, 10 years old, shot dead by an unnamed Israeli border guard in East Jerusalem, almost a decade after Rami's daughter, Smadar, two weeks away from 14, was killed in the western part of the city by three Palestinian suicide bombers, Bashar Sawala, Yusef Shuli, and Tafik Yassin, from the village of Asariya al-Shamilia near Nabulus in the West Bank, a place of intrigue to the listeners gathered in the red brick monastery perched on the hillside in the mountains of the beloved by the terraced vineyard in the shadow of the wall, having come from as far apart as Belfast and Kyushu, Paris and North Carolina, Santiago and Brooklyn, Copenhagen and Terezin. On an ordinary day, at the end of October, foggy, tinged with cold, to listen to the stories of Bassam and Rami and to find within their stories another story, a song of songs, discovering themselves, you and me, in the stone-tiled chapel where we sit for hours, eager, confused, buoyed, confused, cynical, complicit, silent, our memories imploding, our synapses skipping in the gathering dark, remembering while listening, all of those stories that are yet to be told. Thank you. So you, you see, <laughs> uh, that's what I think the two the the, the, the two birds could be uh, as well. Um, so this book, uh, this is kind of given a lot away. This is, this is kind of weird. The, the, you you the reader are the narrator of the book. Mm. Uh, and uh, so this address in the center of the book is you and me. Um, and, and are we complicit? Are we silent? Are we buoyed? Are we cynical? Are we all these things? And you add your own stories then to the book uh, as you add your own stories to the Paragon, which is like the funk. Oh my God, you should have seen my publishers when I said I'm going to call it <laughs> a Paragon. Uh, that, was, that was pretty funny. Mm -hmm. um, but um, uh, yeah, the, 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 the whole. And, and I didn't really know that mm -hmm. till about kind of over halfway through that, oh my gosh, well, I, was, I was trying to discover who the narrator was. Can mm. you believe that? For like <laughs> two years I was trying to discover who the narrator was. Um, and then when I discovered that it was the reader and myself uh, and uh, you know all, all these people who were sitting in a monastery listening to these stories, mm -hmm. uh, then that's when I knew I had, uh, I, I had the book. Yeah. Um, and it was a weird, it was a weird moment. It was mm -hmm. one of those things where you get kicked in the chest. Yeah. <laughs> I think we got time for one or two more questions. 
Any hands over here? Yeah. Wow, that's a great question. Um, no, I felt inside right away. I mean, I felt inside right away. They were raw, they were open, they wanted to tell their story. The, 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 the one thing that they felt was, we have to tell the story because what the story does is it puts a crack in the wall and eventually this wall will come down. What Bassam says is, can you believe that, like, would you have believed in 1947-48 that there would be an Israeli embassy in Berlin and that there would be a German embassy in, 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 in Tel Aviv. Nobody could have believed it at that stage. And, and, and what he believes is that you still got to believe that something can happen, and something can happen very quickly. Um, you know, just like the Berlin Wall came down and, and so on. And so they tell their stories, and they have, they, they, they're compelled to tell their stories, and, and, and um, you almost immediately get, get, get gathered into it when, when, when you meet them, and which is kind of, Hopefully, the function of the book to to extend their stories out to to, to readers so they get get to know them. Um, and the second part of your question, which is even more profound, did 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 I feel outside the further I went along? Is kind of a brilliant question, and then kind of I I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. I think I got closer and closer and closer to them. Um, as, 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 I, as I went along, but it's something that happens in the human heart sometimes that you can go outside for more, you know, some. Well, I just think, yeah, I can get one more. Go ahead. Sure. Um, how do you map the humanness of these stories against the geopolitical solutions that are discussed about how to address the situation? Mm. I mean, uh, you can get accused of all sorts of things. You can get accused of sentiment. You can get accused of being an op too, too optimistic. And I call myself a bit of a, a pes-optimist now. Um, have a, a, a bit of both. But there are Greta Thunbergs who walked out when they were 14 years old. And that's all she did. I, she walked out of class one Friday afternoon because she wanted to bring attention to uh, climate change. And guess what? Then she had the courage to do it the next week. And then the following week, three or four of her, her friends came out. And then inside a month, they were all coming out. And then there was a story. And now she's the face of um, uh, you know, uh, climate change. And um, you know, who knows where the next Greta is going to come from? Some, some little town like, like in, 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 in Gaza or the West Bank. Uh, and Greta doesn't have to be 15. She can be 95 or she can be 75. She can be 35, whatever else it happens to be. These things are surprising, um, and you know, uh, I think we have a duty to hope, despite all the evidence uh, in, 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 in front of us. Because uh, cynicism is fairly easy, um, and, and the best optimists are really good cynics at the same time, too. You have to be as cynical as the deepest cynic and then say, yeah, so what? Your, your cynicism is kind of, yeah, so what? Everyone knows it's crappy. Let's, um, Let's figure out some way to, 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 to move away from it. So, um, you know, things are really dark. The geopolitical situation is really dark. But I think it comes through stories, 
human storytelling, human engagement, and getting to know one another. And these kids, the ones who are in your schools and whatever else, and, uh, um, and, 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 and uh, I wish there were more of them here this evening, um, they're the ones who are going to go out and, 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 and kick our asses and say, you know, uh, you know we, we are the ones who are going to get to know the people across, uh, across the, the block and stuff like that. Well, just kind of put a bow on the, the evening, you know, we, we talk about a paragon and it being a countable polygon with, mm-hmm. you know, an infinite number of sides. Yeah. I, like, I like to think about the, the world as like there's an infinite number of stories out there, yeah. but what you've done with this book is pulled one out that you cannot stop thinking about when you, when you read this book. So thank you for oh, two thank things. You. One, for writing this book, and two, for sharing this evening with us. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for coming along. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.